Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hello, my beautiful friend. Happy Monday. I'm so glad you're here. I just wanted to hop on here really quickly and let you know that this two-part episode with our new friend, Caroline Duner, is such a special one. We spoke for so long that we decided to break it into two episodes. So make sure that after you're listening to the the first one that you catch the second half, but I just wanted to kind of do a little intro for you. So I read Caroline's book, The F It Diet, over the, over the pandemic or when we were locked down during COVID. And I just thought it was such a fascinating take on diet culture and breaking free from diet culture, which as you, if you've been here for a hot minute, you know, I've, I've struggled with before. And I just loved her, her take on ditching diet culture I started following her on Instagram and then I just noticed that she was she was going a little a little like into the well we're going to get all into this but the you know the spiritual but not religious side of things and and yeah and so I ended up unfollowing her on Instagram and only recently got reconnected with her when I heard that she had found Jesus and become a Christian and she has the most fascinating story, babe, that you will hear about just going going through so many different different things in in really seeking seeking what ended up being God and her experience and her stories and her her life experience is just was one of the most fun and fascinating interviews for me tonight to record. So please enjoy this this first part and make sure you stay tuned for next Monday when we'll have the second part air. And I really, really hope that you enjoy this interview we had with Caroline Duner. Hello. Good morning, y'all. Hello, beautiful friend. Hey. So we are so excited. I know we do that a lot, but y'all, this is one. I I know. <laughs> we we do it every single time. We're so every, excited. We just get we're excited. really excited. But we're like really excited. So we have with us today a very special guest. Uh, her name is Caroline Duner. Welcome, Caroline. She Hello. is an author of two books, uh, The Epit Diet and Tired as F. And she also is a writer uh, on Substack. She has a Substack um, called Problematic. And we invited her to join us here today. We actually heard about her from our good friend, Jolene Park. Shout out to Jolene. Because she has a beautiful story related to this Jesus situation, this new age to Jesus. And there's just so much relatability. We'll get into it. You know, I'm sure we'll get going here when we when we hear your story. But welcome. Thank you so much. This is exciting because this is this is not what I have been able to talk about on podcasts. Like whenever I've been on a podcast before, it's been in the past for anyone who doesn't know, which I'm assuming a lot of people won't, what I wrote about for like 10 years was recovery from essentially diet addiction and like a really erratic relationship with food. It was this like anti-diet that was meant to, and really I still 
believe that it does free you from obsession with food. And it was irreverent and I was super liberal and I was super new age. And I was, it was a great book. I loved it. I still loved it. And I recommended it to everybody when I read it in COVID. So it, it's, it's great. It's still, I'm great. so glad. And, and the, the interesting thing, and I'm sure it'll come into the story is that I still think it was God. Like it always felt mm-hmm. like it was beyond me. It always yeah. felt like really like driving this ship and the fear you know, with my like, oh, new age is, is dangerous thing is looking back and saying, oh no, was that demonic? And I really, I really don't think it was because I still believed in God. I was just confused. And I, I, it felt like such a gift for my own life, honestly, like my own quality of life and trusting my body and trusting God. I didn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with the word God because I was very uncomfortable with religion back then but that's what it was and i knew it so it's just an interesting piece like to see like how god was always working and and with me even though i was mm. very confused and very re- rebellious you know um but i'm sure we'll get there um but yeah i'm so excited to talk about this because it's been a couple years of being very disenchanted with the world and very unsure of what i write about and very bored with the subject that people want me to speak on which was food and dieting and freeing yourself from that and then even like my second book which thankfully i still like stand by for the most part it was very memoir and storytelling about this like burnout that I had. But then it was like, oh, Caroline talks about burnout and like how to free yourself from burnout. And at a certain point I was like, so ironically burnt out talking about this thing that like I went through, it was real. But now I'm like worried about what the heck is going on in the world and why we're all Mm. locked in our houses. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to be able to talk about all this. I am, yeah, I can't wait to hear it and um, hear it straight from you. I did a deep dive. I've read all the things and oh my gosh, it's gonna be so good. So why don't you start why don't you start with you grew up Catholic and so mm-hmm. there, so God has faith as you're not brand mm-hmm. into it, but why don't you mm-hmm. give us a little like background on, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's so then, interesting to look back because I actually do think that I have been like for all the stuff that I dabbled in and went into that was I now see as like dangerous and dark and oh my goodness it could have been so much worse I think that I had some sort of protection some like guardrails on or something I know now I know that people were praying for me my mom my grandparents my you know childhood babysitter who I still know who is like very very aware of like demonic stuff was always praying for me. And she's told me that since. So it's really interesting just to look back, but I was raised Catholic. My mom was agnostic atheist when I was little in a way that I totally understand and relate to this. Like, is this real? Like, is this thing that I've been told is true? Like actually the way that it is. And, you know, I think rocked by like church scandals and all that's all that very understandable stuff. She had a big period of questioning, but it wasn't it was like a a personal thing. She wasn't being open about it. We still went to church. I don't think she talked to anybody about it, but it's interesting. We have talked since like we're kind of on in this like rededication and and education really about God and Jesus and Christianity at this point. And so we were talking about this and she's like, I didn't know and I didn't take it seriously. And But 
I always believed in God because I would pray and I would have prayers answered in a way that felt significant to me as a child and a middle schooler and, and a teenager. And in ways that I think were like, I can look back at some of the silly things that I, that I prayed for that, like, why would God answer that prayer? And I think it was faith building. You know, it was like, I, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, God is real, but it was all very superficial. It was all very selfish, honestly. And that's like how, what I saw God as. I was like, oh, if I pray, if I believe in God, if I pray for what I want, I'll get what I want. I like would override my parents by praying for things and it would work like it would work. (laughs) And, and so I believed, but that was it. I didn't, it was never about, I didn't understand Jesus at all. And I think that that when I talked to other people who were raised Catholic and not like, like not truly devoted Catholics who like actually understand what they believe and why they're praying and all this stuff. And they exist being Catholic is such a cultural thing. It's like, oh, we're Irish Catholic. Oh, we're Italian Catholic. Uh-huh. Oh, like this is just like, yeah. it's like, a, it's yeah. almost like an ethnicity mm-hmm. that yeah. that it's so watered down and it becomes so secular. And it's just like, we're just doing this because it's like a, it's like a pride thing. It's like the opposite of, of what it's supposed to be. And totally. I think there are some people who believe in varying degrees, but I think for the most part, especially my generation and probably my my parents' generation too, it was like, you know, and, and Jesus was like a Protestant thing. Like, yeah, we believe in Jesus and like the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. But I don't know what it means. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't understand. So it's just really interesting to look back at all this. Like, I remember thinking like, oh, people who talk about Jesus are like annoying. Again, <laughs> it was like, uh, and I don't even know exactly because I, I didn't, I wasn't exposed to that much of it. So I'm trying to figure out like, where was I exposed to it that it, enough that it annoyed me like yeah. with the pop culture was it a movie i saw like i don't really think that there were that many people in my life like evangelizing me anyway so it's just so weird i'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to write a third book about this journey essentially and i'm and i'm stuck on that like why was i so prejudiced <laughs> and turned off against jesus and jesus people it was just such a weird thing but i didn't get it and when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with PCOS and like had very erratic periods and really bad skin and like what I thought was a food addiction that turned into an eating disorder that just became worse and worse binge eating, which then turned into me healing that and writing about it. So like that's like that, you know, journey, that separate journey. But I was praying like as soon as I was diagnosed, I, and I, it was like 14, 15, I started praying to be healed. And I really believed that I would be like a really strange thing to look back. I was like, okay, I know like this God guy, like I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to be healed from this thing. Like I'm going to, I don't know. It was so strange. I, I was praying to be miraculously healed from it. and. I, it was very tied in with looks though. Like it was very tied in with this like pride because PCOS, I have a lot of controversial opinions on P. I really think that it's like very nervous system based. And I think that that was like the, I mean, I think a lot of health stuff is, but especially like chronic s- stuff and hormonal stuff like that. But mm-hmm. when you have 
when you're told you have PCOS and you, you look up what the symptoms are, they're like, a lot of them are very cosmetic. Like you're going to gain a ton of weight. You're going to have really bad skin. You're going to have all of this like male pattern, hair growth and hair loss and all the stuff that was terrifying to me as like a very vain <laughs> teenager who just wanted to be pretty more than anything else in the world. That was like my, you know, that was my priority. And God was going to answer my prayer and let it be. And I was also an actor, got a lot, got a lot of attention and had a lot of success, so to speak, with singing and acting as a teenager. And then I went on to major in it in college. So having eyes on me and like looking good and like being impressive and all of this, it was all wrapped up in this like really, you know, really unhealthy, like emotionally unhealthy ball of, of misery and dysfunction. And I, all my prayers were, it's just so interesting to look back like, yeah, of course you want to pray to be healed. Like, I think that's a very understandable prayer, but it was also tied up in a lot of dysfunction and a lot of pride and a lot of vanity and a lot of like me, 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 me. I have to heal so I can be really pretty and I can be really successful. I think it was very, it was not me getting a closer relationship with God and becoming a better person and surrendering to God's will for me. It was like, God, you made me a good singer. So you have to like make me pretty and successful and like no awareness around the nervous system stuff and the anxiety and all of that stuff. And I was not healed. God did not answer my prayer. And little in little ways, I mean, my mom will swear that she did a novena to St. Teresa to miraculously heal my cystic acne before this photo shoot that I had when I was 18, when I was in this show and had to be the pretty, you know, like virgin slave that was sold in some like Roman farce or whatever. And, <laughs> and, and I was so like, I was so, um, so stressed and so distracted that I was, I was like, okay, mom, like say your novena, whatever. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. And it worked. Like my skin miraculously healed on the day after the blah, blah, blah. And when I wrote my second book, which if you've, if anyone's read it, like there's a lot of God themes in there. It starts off with this like miracle, like this tooth miracle and this, these emails to God that my mom would write and like all of this stuff. And I wanted the, weirdly, I wanted that book to be about God which is interesting now that I really am trying to make my third book about God, but I didn't have enough. I did. I was too confused. I like was very much still seeking and didn't have enough to say on it. So it morphed into something else, but there's still that theme in there. And she read the book and she was like, I am so angry that you wrote about God and miracles and you didn't even write about that skin novena miracle and i'm like i don't that wasn't my miracle like i i wasn't even paying attention to that i don't even know what to think about that but there were little things like there were enough things that like that i'd be like okay like god is listening but i ultimately felt like my prayers and my bargains and my all my like pleading to god and i literally would make bargains like oh i won't like eat this thing if you do -do -do -do. And a lot of like belief, like, oh, it's my gluttony. It's my gluttony. If I can just be really perfect on my diet, it was like all tied up in, in that. Anyway, God did not heal me. And I went off to, um, however, I went off to college thinking that God had told me to become a raw vegan. It's like, that was what I, that was, 
I don't know. And it was because I like stumbled across the the a raw vegan book, and the author happened to be have a restaurant. Meanwhile, anyone can look it up. She had the pure food and wine restaurant. There's a whole documentary on. Oh she yeah, got that was oh yeah, fascinating. Oh yeah. This is the book that I read when I was 18 going up to college and her restaurant was three blocks away from my dorm. And I was like, God, it had, like, I was like sure that this was God and maybe in a very roundabout way it was. But becoming a raw vegan was essentially like the entry way into the new age because mm-hmm. it's very, it's very like vibe based, like, oh, be high vibe and like glow and like make sure your, your food is like vibrating at the right frequency. But but that's also the year that The Secret came out. It was 2006. Mm. And I watched it on my, like, white Mac dorm laptop. (laughs) And and my thought was, oh, this is the answer to my prayer. And Mm. it's God slash the universe teaching me that I've been wrong about God. And that God is actually the universe. I have more control than I think I do. Mm. And I've been the one answering my prayers all along. Like that was my subconscious process of like, I thought that the new age was the answer to the prayer and that prayers were just manifestations and I had been doing it all along. So that started, that was when I was 18, 18, yeah, like 18. And then until last fall when I was 34. So it was like, over 15 years of like just taking it at face value that the new age was correct. It was all about this like secret knowledge that we had forgotten and that Christianity had like oversimplified to control us. It was like everything. If anyone who's listening knows anything about the new age, it was like, I just took it at face value. And I was living in New York, very liberal Mm -hmm. musical theater. I just, it was like a fact to me that that Christianity was like bad yeah. and twisted and controlled. Can I can I interrupt for a second? Oh please, please. To, yes. uh, well, I was just thinking because I I don't know. I know what New Age is because working in the mm-hmm. world that we do, the freedom mm-hmm. from alcohol space that's you know um, largely secular. It New Age is in our you know in our faces uh, everywhere. Yeah, but <laughs> which which is why we launched this podcast so that. It had to be, but our listeners may not know exactly what mm-hmm. new age means. Do you yeah. have, I know you've defined it in your writing. Do you have that off the top of your, yeah. It might, I might take a little while to circle it. But so when I was in the new age, I never would have called it the new age, first of yes. all. Like that's yes. not a thing that people in the new age don't call it new age. I would have called myself spiritual, but not religious. I would have mm-hmm. called myself spiritual. I would have called mm-hmm. myself woo-woo. That was like a self-deprecating term I used for myself. Oh, I'm woo-woo. but. I would say that the definition is, it's very Gnostic, which I also didn't understand what that meant, but really it's about seeking special knowledge about spirituality and God and the universe. Really, New Age is, it's like, it's like a euphemism for the occult. It's a euphemism for anything that is well, I see it as watered down occultism because it all seems mm-hmm. lovely. Like I genuinely was like, yeah. this is great. I I wanted to be a good person. I yeah. wanted to seek God, whatever God was. I wanted to heal. I wanted, I really am bad at 
watering it down, but it's this catch-all. Like it's not, there's not one way to be new age. There are people with many, many different varying beliefs about what God is, who God is, how it works. Is it all energetic and just this like energetic exchange with like this matrix universe that we live in? Or are there spirits and spirit guides and angels who we are interacting with? I think some new age people even believe in a personified God that just isn't the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible is cruel and God, you know, this God that we believe in is all love. It's very self-focused. It's very, in some ways, like depending on your belief system, you actually become your own God. Like you actually are co-creating with the universe or co-creating with God or your higher power is your God. Like, again, it's not, there's no one belief system in the new age, but you either become your own God or you essentially act as your own God because it's like whatever you want your life to be, you can, you can be, mm-hmm. you can have whatever you want. Started off with a manifestation thing for me, but that's a pretty good, like most people in the new age believe in manifestation. Our thoughts create our reality. So you can. If you're just good enough at this, if you get out of your own way, if you process all your trauma, if you stop having these negative beliefs, if you stop limiting yourself by not understanding that you actually could be God and create whatever life you want, you can have, be, do whatever you want. You can heal anything. You can manifest anything. You can make as much money as you want. You can be as beautiful as you want. You know, you can literally change reality. And if you have any problems, if you're sick, if you have any relationship problems, if you have any pain, any trauma, you attracted all of that to yourself. And it's okay. You just have to learn how to stop doing that. But then if it keeps happening, you're just blaming everything on yourself. And it's a very twisted, psychologically unhealthy way. It it seems healthy at first because it's like, oh, wow, I have more agency than I thought I did. And it's true to a point. But when you start, Believing that everything good that you've attracted is like because you're, you know, in touch with God, your own godness, and everything bad that happens to you is because you're like running some program, some like negative program in your consciousness or whatever. It's very, and that can be easily weaponized. It's often easily weaponized in like cultier groups and cultier religions of like, oh, well, you just have to, oh, this isn't, you're, you're, you're not happy. Mm, you just have to do some, you know, some energy work on that. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it's this what I came to realize is that traditional view of God that I had totally put aside is about surrendering to God's will, trusting God, trusting that God is good and that we are not God and that we can surrender to God's will. The new age is all about your own will. How can you make your own will happen? And if you're not making your own will happen, you haven't stepped into your divine whatever. Yeah. That was my very not concise. That was so good, answer. babe. So good. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Yeah. I think that so many people can relate to like bits mm-hmm. and pieces, if not all of that. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. It's just, so, it's so interesting because it's so, it's currently, it's so trendy. Like uh-huh. the new age. I wish that there was another term for it that like people rest, but the spiritual, but not religious. You can manifest, you can create your own reality. Um, it's, it's very, very, it, and it's even seeped into, I think, a lot of Christian mentality, like people who mm-hmm. haven't really 
grappled with their faith. It's so culturally acceptable that it almost just like taken at face value as like generally true. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting thing to, to see like how, how much it's gotten into people's psyches. Yeah. The Alisa Childers book that we read, what was it called again? I can't, it just fell out of my head. Yeah. What, I don't remember the name of so it, but it was so good. About deconstructing uh, the, yeah. Decons- oh, another gospel. That's what it's called. Uh, another gospel. I've never read yeah. it, but I'm sure. Oh, I'm that's sure such I would a good it. one. It's such a good one, but it, it it's all about that. How you know the new age is taking the 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 real gospel and mm-hmm. and just sl- ever so slightly moving it further mm-hmm. and further away to appeal to like you know she says a younger mm-hmm. demographic, and it's so scary because it's just all it's lies. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, like, the prosperity gospel, which is, like, a little bit closer to Christianity, but still, like, a a perversion of it, which is essentially like, oh, look at all these places where Jesus said that we, if we just prayed, we can literally Mm -hmm. get whatever we want. Yeah. And it's this, that's, like, the slow creep to, oh, you can just literally get whatever you want, and you are also your own God, you know? And yeah. it's, it's it's really not that far away from it. And it's very enticing. Who doesn't want that to be true? Like, without seeing the dark side of that, without, you know, that's what the interesting thing is. Like, I don't know that I ever could have had this perspective on God and on the new age if I hadn't tried it out for a long, yeah. long time. You know, I tr- tried, tried every, like, when it wasn't working, I was like, well, I'm just not doing this right. Or I'm going to get this new book and try it a different way. Like, I had to see the bad fruits, so to speak, over and over and over again, and what it actually did <clears throat> to my, like, mental health and life, you know? That's, and it, and it fits together so nicely with, I think, the conditioning, I think, my generation received as girls that, like, we can do anything, we can be anything, we can have it all, and all you've got to do is just, you know, be brave and keep grinding and just keep going and all of those things. And, you know, maybe there's some, well, you know, well and in, well intentioned behind some of those messages, but you can see how I think you hit the nail on the head earlier with it. It creates a very like me focus. It's all about mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. which is a, mm-hmm. a self-centered, not God-centered focus. Mm-hmm. And when we're operating from that place of me, we are largely responding to what does sound good, feel good, mm-hmm. look attractive and easy mm-hmm. and fun and keeps me happy, which is such the appeal. And I know personally as someone who would have described, I would have described myself as a Christian before I found freedom from alcohol, I would say that was more of like, you know, head knowledge, Christian and name only kind of space. Whereas after finding freedom from alcohol, after God got my attention and, you know, then I went through the process of like dying to myself and actually mm-hmm. taking up a personal relationship with Jesus, totally different than before and that's when it becomes a, a we and I and so anyway that was kind of a long way of saying that like it's that yeah that focus of me is really appealing because that's you know yeah we're humans and that's easy to fall into yes mm-hmm. and you know it's a shame that there are enough examples of church hurt and church abuse and these yeah. these like other perversions of the gospel yes. where humans are abusing their power and they're like near god status and it can happen in subtle ways and it can happen in extreme ways but because of those 
real experiences that people have. There's this like whole cultural, well, first of all, like just those people who experience that then are like, oh, Christianity's bad. Like, mm-hmm. let me live a life where I am, you know, focusing on myself, which is mm-hmm. understandable. You know, that's, yeah. that's a shame. But then like culturally at large, I would say like for me, I had this like, oh, like I kind of took that and I was like, that's Christianity. And, you know, we're living in the modern times and, you know, we mm-hmm. need to have this adapted view of God that like really serves us. But it's really interesting. Like it really, de- there's kind of this like, the, depending on who you talk to in the new age, there is this like, oh, like it's all for the betterment of the, of the collective and the planet. And so it sounds good, but in practice, it's all about you. Mm. And it's also a very like whatever feels good for me. And it like, it's interesting to look at like how it really lends itself to this like dysfunctional, like sexual ethic and everything. It's, it's, it's really like now that I can see it from the outside and like just look at it all as a whole, even like with the like demonic perspective that I have now, which is like kind of the out there part, but also the part that made me realize how insidiously dark it all is. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's fascinating. And then to see what I thought was like so bad and so restrictive as like truly being joy. And yeah. Peace and, yeah. It's yeah. Really interesting. It's like, who knew? Who knew? Yeah, I know. Everybody needs to go read the the Substack, the what, demon. What is it called? Demons New Age and, demons. New yeah. Age demons. But yeah. will you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that and and, yes. and the dark dark bit because mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. So in college, I kind of flipped my perspective. Well, I just never thought that. Like, I genuinely didn't think that New Age stuff was dark. Like, I just never ever. And so I remember I like went to a spiritual healer when I was in college and he like would like he would tell me like he told me that I had just had like Perrier or something. And I was like, he didn't Mm -hmm. heal me. But Mm -hmm. there was like enough like prophetic stuff that like had no significance. And I was like, goosebumps and we just started. (laughs) Where I was like, wow, this is real. Right. There was enough like, yeah, there was enough that kept me thinking, well, I just need to follow this. And there's some magic here. Like this is, if there's such thing as spiritual healers, I need to, I need to be spiritually healed. You know, like this is, I can't figure this out on my own. I need to, so started with that. And then for the most part, it was me just reading different spiritual self-help books about manifestation, lots of different ones. And they all had a similar thread and then also you know had their own different ways of kind of explaining things or like different practices or different ways of manifesting different ways of saying mantras whatever and then and again like it was just a general belief system that i had and it was like a general casual thing where i was i would go through phases of being like i need to like figure this out i need to heal this way and then i would you know be like whatever and just kind of put it in the background but when i was 25, I had, I was doing improv in New York City and one of my improv teammates said that he just had this amazing spiritual 
healing ceremony done on him by a shaman and that all of his like relationship grief was just gone. He was like, it's amazing. It changed my life. And I was like, I need that. I need that. And so I had that. She was like a regular like white girl who had just trained in shamanism and she did a house call. And my thing was like, okay, so you're going to like process whatever this is that is keeping me unhealthy because I was still struggling with health Um, and and other things like resentment toward like whatever. And I was convinced that all of my stuck, stagnant emotion and trauma was the cause of my health problems. So it was like, if I can heal myself emotionally and spiritually and energetically, then I'll be healthy. That was like my worldview. So that's what I was like trying to do through the years in different ways by myself, with healers, with acupuncture, with all the stuff. And I just want to say like, I don't think, I don't think every, like, I think the more body-based stuff is fine and like legit. I do think we have energetics and emotional stagnation. Like, I do think that, that it's real to a point on like a on like a physical trauma tension level, you know? Mm-hmm. It's when it tips into the actually spiritual. Yeah. The supernatural spiritual that I think it, it starts to get dangerous. But so I had this ceremony and it was very like there were like she was like chanting and there were drums and she had to like, you know, draw the curtains. It had to be dark in the room and she was calling in the elements and I have no idea what she was doing. And I totally, I had no fear. I was like, this is great. Heal me. Like, do whatever you need to do. Heal me like you healed the guy from my improv team. And I had told my mom that I was doing it because one of one of the things that I researched in like what causes PCOS in like some book I read, energetic spiritual cause of PCOS is resentment towards mother. And I was like, yeah, she's so annoying. And she's like really stressed me out with all this acting stuff. And I did like we had, you know, we had stuff. And I was like, oh, I have to heal this resentment towards my mom. And she knew it. Like I was like talking to her about it. Like I have to heal my resentment towards you so I can heal. And she's like, okay. I told her I was doing this thing and she got spooked by it. And she had been into new age stuff. Like we had kind of dabbled in new age stuff when I was learning about it. And she was kind of doing her own reading about it. But she was spooked by the shaman thing. So she was saying the rosary the whole time I was going through this ceremony. And at the end, the shaman said to me, you know, this is what I did. She told me that like little like demons left me or whatever. And I don't even know. At the time, I thought it was all metaphorical. I, I, I have no idea. I now see like the whole exchange, like who, if she's getting information about me, I now see that as like, demonic information that she is getting so what actually happened and like what she actually accomplished i have no idea but i remember being like oh metaphorically like demons have left me like that's so great and she said you know i tried to access your mom's energy and i usually don't have any problem with that but i i couldn't i got like a total block and i was like "Hmm, that's interesting like i i knew i was like because she's praying it's because she's not letting you so that was interesting. That was just like, it was more mm-hmm. confirmation of like, hmm, like praying really does something. I didn't see like, oh, it's because she's, this woman is like bad or dark. I saw it as like, oh, well, it's my mom's 
will like my you know my mom is allowed to say no she doesn't want to like be a part of this like how cool how cool is that two interesting things one is that before the ceremony she told me this this shaman she told me that for the last many years she had been professionally a dominatrix in the city and i was like oh okay and she was like yeah and but it was at the time where I was like, yeah, we can't kink shame. Like I'm like I saw myself as like very reserved for a liberal new age person. I actually thought that it was like a problem with me, and maybe maybe even the reason that I was sick because I was so repressed, you know, relatively. But so she's telling me she's a dominatrix. My alarm bells go off, being like, that's really weird. But then of course I'm also like, well, maybe she knows she's so spiritual. Maybe she knows something I don't know. Like maybe I'm the problem, you know. And she, she was like, yeah, you know, what I really learned through working with these men is that there's a lot of trauma that they really need to be working through. So as I like learned more about working through my own trauma through shamanism, like I became a shaman so I can, I can be a dominatrix and I can also then help them with their trauma with shamanism. And I was like, that's really cool. (laughs) Like, I don't, I didn't know what to think about it. Now I'm like, well. Uh, doesn't surprise me at all that it's yeah. all like in this like oh sexual fetishes and like all this stuff is good like lean into your darkest desires because that's you know your truth and we've been shamed by this like you know judeo-christian you know patriarchal whatever and like we should be able to be free with all this stuff and also like spiritual healing and trauma healing again like I believe in trauma heal. I believe that trauma is a real thing. I think it can affect your health. All of like, that's the weird thing that like there's truth yes. and then it's like twisted yeah. in this extra yeah, spiritual yeah. way. So like now she's a dominate. I mean, I have no idea what's going on with her now, but she's a dominatrix who's also a shaman. And it's like, I actually see those things as more related than might make sense to like your average person. But like it, it, it is connected to me at this point because it's all this like, it's all a subversion of, of like what's good. So that was interesting. And then the other interesting thing is that I don't know if it was just the placebo effect, but I actually did feel freed from some resentment that I had been having a hard time letting go of towards my mom. And I, again, I, 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 it could have, could be placebo or it could be that these spiritual healings actually do have results. But what is the cost? Like, what doors did I open up? What contracts did I make? What? And, you know, it's weird, like, because it wasn't that important to me at the time, I don't remember the specific times when I would have gotten spooked and prayed for protection. But I do know that I did it a lot. I know, weirdly, through the years, it was this instinctive thing that I would do when I would get spooked by something, because on a subconscious level, I believed that there was a war between good and evil. And if anything was dark, God was, God would protect me from it. But on a more conscious level of what I was learning about how the, the spiritual world worked and like, there's no such thing as evil. It's all just trauma. It's all just our shadow. I didn't think that I was like allowed to believe that because it was denying my own like power and if I didn't believe in my own power, then I was never going to heal. It was this weird, like, yes. it was this weird battle within myself, but also a belief that there was 
if there was darkness, which maybe there was, I believed that God was the only protection from it. So I would snap in when I would get spooked by things. And I'm like, it's possible that during that whole thing, I kind of went like, God, please protect me. Like there, it, but I, but I don't know for sure. I just know that I would do that instinctively at times. But anyway, so what I now believe is that when you do these, you know, spiritual healings where what spirits are you calling on to move your stuck energy or to give you whatever you're seeking or asking for, that there are results, that there is, that there is a spiritual power that you can call upon and get things from. Like to go to the most extreme, and I would never have believed this before, but I believe it now, the people who genuinely are like consciously satanic and consciously occult, they are summoning and conjuring spirits and asking for yes, worldly gains. Yeah. And they get them. But at what spiritual but, cost? Yeah. Yes. yes. And so without realizing that's what you're doing, like I do believe that there are healings whether they be temporary or not or what again what is the cost because it's all a way to lure you into this belief system and into deeper and deeper and deeper contracts so to speak or entanglements with entities that are actually taking more than they're giving and so it's interesting to be like and and yet at the same time i actually think that god can be present in that too because i do think a lot of people who are unknowingly opening these doors don't want to and want god but just don't know how it yeah. works and i think that it's a, I, I think it's possible that it's a little bit more nuanced like i don't think that god ever left me and mm-hmm. so that's the other interesting part of like even though i was doing all this stuff that was danger like spiritually dangerous and I prob- and I'm sure that I invited things in. I st- I think that God knew that what I really wanted was to understand Him, and I don't think that mm-hmm. I was abandoned. So it is this. It's just mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to look back on and try and make sense of. But thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com, and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.